0: So, Whitey, I thought you had ten more years to serve. Yeah. But I was so anxious to get square with you that I busted out. I could have knocked you up when I first come in, but I had to face the judge when he handed me my rap, and I want you to do the same. You're crazy. Maybe stir-crazy. If I am, I got you to blame for it. I've been laying up there in a pen while the Black Raven's been doing pretty good for himself. We were partners when the dough was rolling in. But when the law cracked down, you don't know me from a yellow dog.
1: All of a sudden, you got too smart to take orders.
0: When I saw what was coming, I protected myself. Why should I get in the jam? Because you were a fool. That's your story. the way it looks from where I stand. You double-crossed me so you could grab the works. You could be wrong about that. Yes and I could be right. It's been since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors. <laughs> well, that's too long. Pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the Forgotten Horrors Podcast with your hosts, John Woolley, Michael H. Price, and my own self, Wolfbrand Jack.
1: and thank you wolf brand jack and that noise you hear is our producer engineer joey hambrick cracking the top on a uh, natural (laughs) ice hope you're (laughs) now ready to roll michael how are you
0: Naturally, just glad to be here. <laughs>
1: well, we want to thank our, our friend Ron Ringhoffer, who actually contacted us through our uh, our uh, uh, Facebook page, and yes. uh, and uh, ask if we could do a uh, if we could do the Black Raven, do a, a little bit of uh, our dog and pony show on the Black Raven this time, which we're happy to do. Ron Ron is just really a good uh, a good person to a very he's just very good about uh about his support of the program and ron we really appreciate it and we're glad to do the black raven <laughs> and uh you know it's a i love i gotta say and you know this michael and i think the listeners know it we love those prc pictures they get in and out in an hour maybe
0: a little <laughs> bit of change and
1: yeah. you're better for it
0: you know well, if it weren't for the fact that prc came along a bit later than the start of the Forgotten Horrors Chronicles, uh, that might be the studio that best defines our program and the books related to it. You know, you, you
1: got a good point there. And uh, we've, you know, we've gone to the well of PRC many times here on, the, on, on this oh, podcast. Yeah. And uh, even with some of these same actors, because Joey was watching it, and he watches the sheriff come and say, hey, that's the sheriff from How Do You Do? indeed it was charles middleton someone else might have yeah
0: and
1: the sheriff from showboat (laughs) and the sheriff from showboat that's right and
0: and, and the great
1: dictator from flash gordon that's what i was going to say somebody else might have said well that's meng the merciless
0: from flash
1: gordon you know but most of the fun in these prc pictures and the picture we're talking about this to this evening or today is um is a not really a horror picture as much as it's just kind of a mystery, uh, but it has a lot of horror people in it, and um, it's uh, it's it's called again to, to get the record straight, the Black Raven from 1943. Joey always likes for us uh, somehow this falls to me to do the synopsis yeah. every time, but what happens is uh, a fellow who's also named the Black Raven has an N called the black Raven up, uh, apparently kind of on the border between, um, uh, the U S and Canada. Uh-huh. And, uh, he makes, uh, a little bit of his money. This is George Zuko, the lead character, the black Raven, uh, getting people, getting, um, uh, gangsters and things across the border. Well, this is a story of one evening, uh, one stormy evening, that uh, a lot of different people show up at the Black Raven Inn, including uh, someone who apparently has a fortune and other people are looking for it. So it's one of those kind of kind of almost, it could have been a stage play. It could have been a, like a seven keys to ball pay kind of thing. But Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's in a way, it's the mystery farce without much of the comedy. That's right.
1: Except, you know, I got to tell you, Glenn Strange turns a little bit of comedy in some
0: of this he does he uh, there what's the line where uh uh zuko is describing one of the supporting characters and and refers to him as i'll paraphrase a moron mm-hmm. uh, oh, ag- ag- rabid delusions aggravated by a moronic mentality <laughs> he's, he's referring to stanford jolly's character of course yes and uh-huh. Glenn strange does a double takes it is that bad
1: <laughs> and yeah. then later on, he pairs up with Byron Folger, uh, uh-huh. the original Casper Milk Toast of 500 films, probably, yeah. and they become kind of a fun couple, you know, as they're going through the the uh, the uh, inn looking for the treasure,
0: and sure.
1: uh, and coming upon uh, coming upon corpses. But the the great thing about PRC, and again, we have you know, if people want to go back into our archives. And uh, revisit "How Do You Do?" One of my all-time favorite pictures. <laughs> this, in a way, is like that because PRC couldn't afford the top stars. PRC was a poverty row outfit, right? But what they could afford were the secondary players that people would know. Oh so, yeah, right. So the names above the title here are George Zuko, who would have been known by that time from the Universal Pictures and other things. Really? And Wanda McKay, who sure. was who was basically PRC's stock heroine, guys, she made so many of those low-budget horror pictures. What's your Voodoo Man and Bowery at Midnight, Monster Maker, you know, and she, uh-huh. and, yeah. uh, and then ended up, of course, marrying Hoagie Carmichael. She was Hoagie Carmichael's last wife, but yes. but uh, so you've got you look, and people know these characters, Glenn Strange, you know, who is kind of the I can you still say half-witted is that okay to say these days thank you George. i don't know how have asked joey
0: but yeah it's definitely what he plays. he definitely
1: plays a half-witted guy and um byron folger again has is the is the you casper milk toast of, <laughs> of 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 cinema and he's in there and I, I actually he does a really good job i think i stand for jolly who I met at a convention many years oh. ago, one of the sweetest guys in the world. Did you ever meet him, Michael?
0: I never did, but I I sense from his many soulful villain portrayals that he must have been a really nice guy. He
1: was. He was absolutely a nice guy and, you know, just kind of a, a real kind of uh, furtive presence on screen. God. Yeah. You know, you've got uh, a sneaky kind of guy, and you got the professional gangster, and Noel Madison, who was a gangster in so many different pictures. Sure. And then there's Bob Livingston, <laughs> who a lot of the Western fans won't really recognize in this because it's a straight part; it's a non-Western part. And you know, yeah, he, he was, was great. You know, uh, Western team heroes. He certainly was the Three Musketeers, right? Yeah where he played stony brook who once he left the series who came on and played stony brook john, john wayne
0: john wayne exactly yeah.
1: and uh you know bob livings has also played the lone ranger in a picture he played uh he played uh uh zorro you know i mean he, yes, he
0: did uh-huh
1: yeah and so so you got him and even even the secondary people like robert middlemass who plays um who plays one of mckay's characters uh uh Uh, father who's trying to uh, father yeah yeah not not uh, trying to uh, not let the marriage go through you know you you recognize him i mean so they had recognizable people that they could get and these people would normally be secondary players but at prc right they were the stars
0: well that's and 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 this in in many senses of the word is the definitive all-star low-budget picture you are absolutely
1: right the only thing i think compares to it is uh is uh uh, club havana oh prc's club havana okay with edgar omer's picture sure i think it's i think it's comparable to that
0: (laughs) well it's uh, in the sense that it's despite the sense that it's not Technically, a monster movie. No, it has that same kind of all-star vibe that that Universal's House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula.
1: You're absolutely right, and again, it has that vibe of of uh, it's almost stage-bound, isn't it? It it looks like a a play that has been adapted to to a movie, and and so it's so a play is carried by the characters, not by special effects, not by it's carried by the characters. And that's what these people do. And they all do a great job in this.
0: A wonderful picture. And I say that without fear of uh, <laughs> a backlash. Right. Because I i think uh, I, I can't speak for our listeners per se, but I do know that uh, most of those whom I've met who are attuned to this forgotten horrors idea. Yes. Don't require big budget, major league credentials in order to find a film enjoyable right that said that said the black raven is well it's an oddity yes it's it's um it it treats crime as a horrific phenomenon Mm -hmm. Um, and it's got probably the most Most rain, thunder, and and lightning <laughs> I've ever seen in a big or small picture. You know, I think it's right up there.
1: I was thinking about it's odd you should say that. I was thinking about that when Joey and I were watching it. it, it the only thing I can think that may may equal it in storm as far as from the from the Golden Age is the old Dark House. Wow, Wales' original yeah. old Dark House,
0: James Wales, yeah. yeah.
1: You know, and I really think that, you know, that it, it's got that same vibe, the same you're in this place and you really can't get out. And of course, Glenn Strange, you know, one of the running gags in the pictures, Glenn Strange is always getting sent out to park cars or do something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in, in the rain. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really economical, um, interesting picture without much waste at all.
0: No, no, it gets in and gets out.
1: It gets in and gets out, and that's what we like. It's kind of like Paul Revere and the Raiders were on the on the top forty charts, you know. That's there's fun. something to be said for getting in and getting out in two and a half minutes and not meandering around with it. And there's mm-hmm. something to be said for Sam Newfield,
0: who how many pictures did he direct? I I I always lose count, and it's hard to keep that number in mind because he had uh pseudonyms. Pseudonyms, yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh, uh, Peter Stewart. You see a Peter Stewart picture. That's Sam Newfield. He usually reserved the the phony names for his bigger pictures. Right. (laughs) Because (laughs) because the public, what public paid attention to director identities, the public tended to tended to associate him with the um, cheapskate picture. Yes, that's right.
1: Well, of course, his, he and his brother were basically PRC, correct? Or they right. were,
0: Newfield and uh, Newfield and Newfeld,
1: New right? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he he you know, and he's always got, he's going to do a workmanlike job, and he does it here. And Zuko is, you know, how do you feel about Zuko and the pantheon of that the whole universal thing? does where does Zuko
0: fit in that to you, Michael? He's essential to the the Universal Pictures monster. Uh, community mm-hmm. not that he not that he often played the monster but he often played the creator or the originator of the right. monster right and he had the had the wonderful ability to make his eyes seem to glow without trickling. <laughs> I've, I've never figured out how he did that but i mean probably equally certainly the equal of Lionel atwell in in terms of suave, sophisticated, right, right, right. But there was that something otherworldly about Zuko's face. He looked he looked as though he had been drawn by an EC comics. (laughs) Maybe maybe a
1: glass glass ghastly Graham Engels. Graham Engels, yeah, yeah. He looked like,
0: and and George Evans had that same quality, right? He
1: sure did. And and maybe Joe Orlando too. When you think
0: about it. Definitely Orlando found his own style, Mm -hmm. but uh, but the eyes of George Zucco look like stage lighting, but they're not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think he was the greatest Moriarty in the Holmes pictures
1: that's true he did that for several of those pictures didn't mm-hmm,
0: he mm-hmm, yeah yeah he played he he was he was the scene stealer, stealer uh, seldom top billed right walked away with whatever part of the show he was given to deliver and uh, and and did a uh, did a walk away with the mad monster at universal oh he sure did i'm sorry the mad Mad ghoul mad Mad ghoul with with david bruce yeah yeah i misspoke
1: mad monster is a prc is a prc with glenn strange yeah Yeah. glenn strange again there you go and george Zuko, right and george Zuko. yeah george zucco's and then well Mm -hmm. joey you know it's it's always nice to get another generation's uh, view of things and Joey and I were watching um, watching Black Raven, and he said that it was set up like Tarantino's Hateful Eight. Oh yeah, and I had never thought oh, about that before.
0: I, I didn't that, that wouldn't have occurred to me. I I needed that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Joy. <laughs> I would appreciate that. Yeah, but it's it's it is it, it's nothing more than than a than an hour of entertainment. And it's it's not, as you say, and as we said, it's not a horror film, but it's it's creepy. And it's got horror icons, Glenn Strange and George Zuko in it. It's got great character actors in it. You know, I just love Wanda McKay. I'm so I've just got a soft spot for Wanda McKay.
0: Mm -mm -mm.
1: she was just just i I, she never i guess she made a few bigger pictures but it was the usual deal where she was buried in the cast uh but she just got something she just is plucky and you know got that whole sort of joan woodbury vibe you know they're going to be b-picture actresses always but they've just they rise above the material sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. she's or or they just complement the material which is even better yeah that's
0: the beauty of it that's the beauty of it and that's why we uh, that's why we continually find ourselves drawn to the low budgeters uh, the uh, there there wasn't such a thing as a grindhouse picture category when *The Black Raven* was made, right? But it's very clearly an ancestor of the grindhouse, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and as and as and as Joey points points out, the uh, the ancestral vibe therefore extends to Quentin Tarantino with his uh, practical worship of the grindhouse type, that's right? Of film.
1: That's exactly right. There's you can draw a straight line, can't you? Oh. Pretty much right through there.
0: Well, that's a, that's a lovely insight. I'm glad. You mentioned that.
1: Yeah. Well, we uh, we, we uh, should tell everybody that you can see this on YouTube. And uh, they got a nice print on YouTube. And, uh, you know, we recommend that you take a look at it. It's a, it's more than just a little time time waster. And uh, it's it's going to be entertaining. You're going to mm-hmm. enjoy it. And we want to thank Ron Ringhoffer for, for suggesting it. And I want to thank you for suggesting what's going to be our next film, which we'll talk about in a minute. First of all, let's let's do the advertising part of the show. Uh and uh, and what have you got what have you got online that the folks might want to look into, Michael?
0: Well, I keep uh, marveling at how well the entire series of forgotten horrors books keeps selling. It does. It does. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think our collaborative fully collaborative book Forgotten Horrors to the nth degree is probably the best selling of all those titles at the point at this point. It seems to be, although I got to say, of course, I watch it. You know, I just
1: I, every morning I hit it to see what happens, and and uh, I would say that uh, probably "Fantasies in the Sand" has has shown some pretty good sales as well.
0: That's surprising. It, I figured that was a lark, and it turns out we touched a nerve. Well, uh, you just never know, you know. If, well, it's it's like it's like my like my favorite old time editor, Charlie Whippo. Oh. <laughs> from, 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 from the amarillo globe news told yeah. me said, if you write to please yourself you're going to please everybody else there you go and there the, you go that's we, very we nice fantasies in the sand i said well you know we're both pretty keen on this beach party beach um, party is fantasy sure beach exactly. party movies is
1: fantasy exactly and, yeah and we
0: were able to and we were able to indulge our admiration and enjoyment of those pictures in a in a, in a way that's i think scholarly but not stuffy and uh, although it's not a totally comprehensive empirical study of those pictures it captures them pretty well and it captures their ancestors right which was what we talked about from the very
1: beginning you remember the aquanetta to annette
0: right yeah exactly so there you go with that when i uh, i am working right now on a thorough revision and expansion of Forgotten Horrors, Volume Five.
1: Did I, I wasn't involved in that one, was I? I'm oh, trying yes, to. Rem- yes, was I? Yes, okay, yes, good. Yes, All right.
0: to, to, to an extent, you know, contributing author. Right, right. Um, and uh, got to looking at the existing version. So if if you haven't, if if you out there in the among the readership haven't uh, snatched it up yet. Hold your horses, because there'll be a revised edition coming. <laughs> uh, but uh, dug up some new information, some new this, that, and the other, um, and decided to put two full comic book movie adaptations into the appendix. Now, I wouldn't think that you, by any chance, rewrote the dialogue in those, would, <laughs> would you? And
1: <laughs> right, did you have, are they slapped with the uh, with
0: the, uh, sartrified... Uh, existentialism thing? Oh yeah, well actually it's it's two it's two stories that appeared in one of our spin-off books called Forgotten Horrors uh, comics and stories. But uh, which ones are they, Michael? Man from Planet X. Of course. Uh, and uh, uh Destination Moon. Of course, yes. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that has that has never been a a really strong performer on the in comparison to the other forgotten horrors books. You're
1: right. I don't know why, because it's really good. And but
0: you know. I, I don't know. But I uh, I got to looking at it and said, you know, this book covers those two films. Why shouldn't we just patch the comic book versions into the book?
1: I think that's a wonderful
0: idea. Something to look forward to. Got the cover redesigned and about oh a fourth of the manuscript re-edited. Nice. So there you go. Okay, good. Now
1: I have online right now, the, uh, you know, what's selling well for me is this book about the Canes ballroom. Oh yeah. Well, uh,
0: everybody's everybody you know, fascinated
1: with a, with a great music hall. And it's a great music hall. It's called 20th century honky tonk, the book. And, um, we just seem to keep getting orders from overseas and, and everywhere uh, because the Canes ballroom in Tulsa, not only was the place where Bob Wills basically launched national Western swing. And I know Fort Worth, where you have to take a nod at your hometown, Michael, and, and, and and Milton Brown's musical brownies, but you know, it was not only that was also where the sex pistols played on their only, on their only American tour. and, And so much of that, and that's doing well and old fears, which uh, I've years. talked about. Yeah, uh, it, we've had now four years of old fears being optioned by Sony Pictures Television. We've got yeah. a new 40th anniversary issue out. I've got a short story in it, and, my, and Ron Wolf, my co-writer, has a short story in it that I think are both really good. And so take a look. Thank you, Joey. And so take a look at say take, take a look at those as well. And uh, Michael, before we came on tonight, you mentioned a film. That we're going to do next time that I hadn't even thought would be good for the Forgotten Horrors podcast. Will you uh-huh. let the folks know, give them a little
0: preview what's going to be next? Um, Stacy Keach starring picture from the early seventies called The Traveling Executioner, and the title can be taken literally at the at early in the new early in the twentieth century when it was a new century literally. Uh, this fellow travels from frontier town to frontier town with his wagon load of that newfangled electric chair. He's the uh-huh. official territory executioner. In other what? words, he, he's the new he's the new tech hangman.
1: What a film for the seventies! Yes,
0: yes, and so it kind of uh, plays into that modern day notion of steampunk. Uh huh. Um, it also is a, a wonderfully warm and human story with a really sharp edge of cynicism and uh, must be seen to be believed. And, um, you know, I, I figure figure if we're going to talk some picture to death, it might, death, it might as well be a a, a a really good forgotten picture that has elements of, well, out and out horror. I mean, what uh-huh. is the Phenomenon of capital punishment, uh-huh, uh-huh. if not if not a horrific uh, concept, and uh, and it has it has a, a very uh, I won't say shocking ending, but it's a joke. Stacey <laughs> uh, Keach, one of the great one of the great actors of that period and beyond, and that's um, a major studio picture, right? Is it Fox? Is that a Fox I believe, picture? I believe Fox. I believe Fox did that. I'll I'll have to look everything yeah. up. Yeah, get things straight. But yeah, uh, uh, Stacey Keats, the traveling executioner. Well, it's funny. I just did a uh, I just did
1: an introduction for Matt Mooring at Steger Books. I do some introductions for Matt of the, uh, the short of uh, the short stories or, 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 or character stories from uh, Black Mask and, and uh, Dime Detective and all of that that he's putting out in beautiful new editions. And I did an introduction to Jerry Frost, the Flying Ranger by Horace oh. McCoy. Yep. And uh, wrote about, uh, of course, you can't write about Horace McCoy without writing about his most famous book, which became a famous movie. They shoot horses, don't they? Right. And that film is of a piece in some ways with The Traveling Executioner.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's it, there's just in the 70s, especially the early 70s, don't bet on a happy ending when you went to the theater don't bet on a happy ending. It was just, you know, it was, it was kind of nihilistic. I don't know why. Yeah. I'd like to blame it on disco, but it was a little bit before disco. So I can't really blame it on that. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to do the traveling executioner next time. Thank you very much, Ron Ringhofer for suggesting the black Raven. We, uh, we dug it and we think you will too out there in, uh, in podcast land. And uh, so until next time, thank you so much for listening to us. Take a look at, uh, what we've got on the on the uh on the internet and uh we'll be back before you know